airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's uh, Miki here. And I'm Will. <laughs> there. <laughs> and Sherry V is over in Studio CC, and we appreciate you listening. Um, always want to let you know that you can connect with us in a number of different ways and then also remind you that if you miss one of the shows in real time, you can have access to those shows uh, by going to AFR.net. But what are some of the other ways that our listeners can connect with us, Will the Great? Yes, you can email us at uh, addisons at AFR.net, addisons at AFR.net. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. Facebook is just uh, airing the Addisons at airing the Addisons and Twitter is airing Addisons if you if you do that um, and also we have a marriage family life Facebook page Facebook page just look for that but also a Twitter page for marriage family life M F Life Ministry and you can find videos from our conference this year so if you're curious about the marriage family and life conference that we've uh, had the last couple of years, you can see some of the content right there. But to get in contact with us, Addison's at AFR.net. Um, I was thinking yesterday, so our kids are, at least the big three, are into, well, let's be most specific. It's our daughters who are into do-it-yourself um, videos on YouTube, right? Right. And so you try to vet the videos and, you know, you, you watch a few of the videos and it's like, oh, okay, they're just making rooms for dolls, right? Or you mm-hmm. go, oh, okay, they're just making cakes and you go, okay, it's fine. And uh, and and then you, you trust that they have a good track record and your kids are watching and everything is going well. And then we had this, um, this incident um, yesterday. Was it yesterday or was it Saturday? I, my, my days all kind of run together, especially once we hit the weekend. Um, but where they said, our oldest said, um, Mariah, which people are familiar with, Uh, Mariah said, Mom, I was watching one of our um, do-it-yourself videos with the cake maker. Yeah. And and she said, I turned it off. And she goes, and I want to show you what happened. She had a guest on. And so I go, let me see. Yeah. And uh, and she comes and she brings it to me. And and it is a um, it is a man who is clearly a man, Mm -hmm. but he is dressed like a woman. Yep. And he has been invited to be a guest on this do-it-yourself, you know, cake-making show. Um, it's b- basically these people are YouTube stars, right? Right. And and she said to me, she said, Mom, and she said, I just had an awful feeling. And I was like, there's no reason why she would have to have a man on dressed as a woman. Right. And so it sparked this conversation with our kids where, and they already know, I mean, you know, um, probably because of what we do, right, and probably because of our vigilance, uh, we've had to have serious conversations with them about what we believe and the current state of the culture. Mm. Now, there was a time where we didn't have to go as deeply into these issues and as deeply into these topics with our kids because they were not inundated with 
all that's around them. You know, the, the, yeah. the culture wasn't a beast. But now the culture is a beast, right? It's not it's not a culture behind bars. It's a it's not a culture that is in a zoo where you could just say, Hey, way over there right. is that the culture is a beast. It's, it's unleashed, face. it's in your face, yeah. right? And so you have to deal with these issues with your kids. And so we got into this conversation and just talking about God's natural design for men and women and um maleness and femaleness, and we were talking about um, God's biblical prescription right. for human sexuality, which is, you know, it's always great to be able to dig deep and, and to drill down with your kids. But one of the things that I was thinking about later that I wanted to start off our conversation, and we're excited, we're going to have uh, Reed B versus um, Doug Rogers mm-hmm. on with us in the next segment. And um, and so we'll go into that. But but I, just in this segment here, I, I was thinking about this idea and um, I kind of want to, as I do with a lot of my thoughts, I want to toss them out to you mm-hmm. and kind of see if they can bake. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I was I was thinking about as a mom mm-hmm. and and what we do as parents, all of us as Christian parents. Right. That's our chief chief identity, that we are Christians first. And so everything else kind of flows from that. So we are Christian parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was thinking about as we raise our kids, <laughs> man, we are going to have to ask the Lord <laughs> to help us in a lot of different areas. Now I'm going to say something to you. That's going to sound a little bit jolting here, but again, um, this is my thought that I'm unpacking. We have got to learn the art of raising bigots. Yeah. (laughs) Now it sounds really jolting, right? But let me tell you what sparked this thought as we were talking to our kids. And as we were um, trying to encourage them in the Lord and in the faith that they believe, right? This is the faith that they have accepted and that they have believed. And I was listening to the things that we were saying, and I was listening to the things that they said, Uh their responses. And, and, you know, JD saying, that's just not natural. You know, JD saying that just doesn't make sense. Why, why, you know, not even understanding why a man would dress as a woman or why a man, you know, and, and all of these things. And, And, and I thought about it and I had this thought, I thought, you know, there would be some liberals who, if they overheard this conversation Mm -hmm. that we were having with our children, they would say that we are raising bigots. Well, we're indoctrinating. We are indoctrinating. That's what they do. That's exactly what they do. (laughs) But they would say that we are raising bigots. And I think most Christian parents would bristle at that and would say, no, don't accuse me of that. We we don't want to be accused of raising bigots. And, And I was thinking about this and I was thinking about, you know, how we how our culture currently defines bigotry and how it is really just disagreement. You know, um, it's not necessarily being intolerant, but it's really it's disagreement. Right. And I thought, you know, as Christian parents, mm-hmm. by today's definition, we are raising bigots. And so there is a certain way that we have to kind of lean into that. We have to not run away from that. We have to be diligent. We have to do the work. And I'll say, if you're not currently raising kids, if you've got grandkids or maybe you have nieces, maybe you're, you know, the aunt who doesn't have any kids. And so you kind of really, you know, um, pour a lot into your nieces and nephews. And and God bless you if you're doing that. Um, Man, we have a responsibility to be faithful with the gospel. We have a responsibility to be faithful with the message of truth. What does God say about human sexuality and sexual identity? But here is the bigger thing. Know this, that when we train our kids in this way, 
that when we train the younger generation that's under our influence in this way, effectively, what we are doing by today's cultural definition Mm -hmm. is that we are raising bigots. So you've got a twofold (laughs) approach that you need to take to your kids or take with your kids. Number one, you've got to get them truth. Mm. Number one, you've got to get them truth. But then number two, you've got to explain to them how the truth that you get to them will be perceived by the culture. Mm. So you've got to make sure. So you've got, man, there's two fronts right here, (laughs) at least as it pertains to this discussion, two fronts that you've got to protect your kids on. Number one, you've got to make sure that they know the truth of the word of God. What does God say on some of the pressing cultural issues of our day? Guys, it's not an easy job. Right. It's not something that you're going to just stumble upon. You're going to have to be aggressive. You're going to have to be active. You're going to have to be forward thinking. Okay, how do I make sure that I'm, I'm shoring up my kids? I'm shoring up the kids in my life that I have influence over. And then number two, as you do that, You've got to remember that what you are doing is coming under attack daily. Mm -hmm. So you have to train your kids. It might sound something like this. Hey, this is the truth. But I want you to know that there are going to be ugly things said about you because you believe the truth. And to go along with that, you got to give your children a healthy dose of the scripture that um, that we even talked about at church on I thought about that. Saturday. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Uh, John chapter 15. And that's what the Lord had put on my heart to share with the kids at our church. Mm-hmm. And basically, and I'll just read a, a portion. You guys know this, this uh, scripture. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. This is uh, verse 18 in John chapter 15. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Mm -hmm. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they have, they they will do to you on account of my name, because Mm -hmm. they do not know him who sent me. And so we got to take them to the scripture and and show them that, hey, the world hated Jesus and we're representing Mm -hmm. Christ. You know, we're living for Jesus and the, the the standard is the word of God. They're going to hate that as well. They're going to hate us because of uh, Christ's name, you know. And Amen. so for them to already know that living for the Lord, living for the Lord, you will uh, suffer some persecution. There'll be some yes. things that will happen that people will hate you because you're not uh, living according to this world. But for our children and us to be able to embrace that and say, OK, that's right. Let's go. That's right. Let's go Let's you know? to be able to embrace it and to and to turn our back on this idea that the the call to to come and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ is a call to comfort. Uh, increasingly in our country, we see that that is not the case. We had been shielded from that for a while. We had been kind of insulated from that in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. But um, that insulation has kind of deteriorated. And I don't know if you can order replacement. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to I don't know if you're going to get that insulation back. And so what you've got to do is exactly what we've been saying so far. And I'm going to tell you for parents, for grandparents, for aunts and uncles, for those who are in mentoring programs where you have access to children and you fear the Lord and you see what is it. Look, we used to say you see what's on the horizon. Now we say you see what's here. It's mm. not it's, it's here. Right. This yeah, is we, here. Are here. we are here. This is this. Hello. That's right. This is what it's like to be here. 
Um, let me just tell you, some of these words that are used um, to almost to, to paralyze you so that you don't train, so that you don't disciple, so that you don't indoctrinate. You got to take the sting out of those words, mm-hmm. even in your own mind and in your own heart. And that is the art of raising bigots. Mm. So the art of raising bigots is taking the sting out of that word, understanding that you're giving your kids truth and then preparing your kids that when they face a culture that hates the truth. It is so important for us to also make a distinction between the truth, Mm -hmm. his truth, Mm -hmm. her truth, my truth, your truth, and all of these different truths that people want to celebrate. Make sure that your kids know when they speak of the truth, that truth that is the only truth will be hated above anything else. That's right. It will be despised above anything else. And it will effectively make them bigots in the culture that they will be adults in. It makes them bigots in the culture that they're in now, guys. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you something. Probably one of the most disturbing things, and there's a lot that's disturbing, but probably one of the most disturbing things is to raise your kids alongside other Christian kids, kids who identify as Christians, who will look at your kids and will say, no, we don't believe that. No, my mom says you can be this. Mm. My mom says you can be that. We don't believe that. That is that is going to be, if it has not already happened to your kid, one of the more confusing battles for them to fight. Yeah. Because they're going to encounter someone who in so many different areas is saying the same thing that they're saying. Yes, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we go to church. Yes, we believe the Bible to be the word of God. But you're going to find that that kid has a totally different take on how you apply those beliefs Mm. and what that looks like in daily life. And that will come. And I, man, I'm not trying to be offensive here, but that will come largely because of parents asleep at the wheel. Mm. Or just believing that I doesn't take all of that. Yeah, yeah. So we really have to show our kids. We really have to give our kids the tools that they need to live. Um, really, truly, guys, they're little bigots. <laughs> the way the culture would define <laughs> them as little bigots. And, and the best <laughs> way for you to continue discipling them and training them and preparing them is for you to take the sting out of those words. Mm. Don't let the first time they hear it be when they're out in the streets. <laughs> Isn't that awful that you're like, don't let the first time your kid hears the word bigot. And then somebody, you're a bigot. You got to already prepare them. Hey, this is what's going to be said about you because of what you believe. Just as yeah. Jesus warned us, yeah. he didn't leave us like, oh my goodness, they hate me. He said, they're going to hate they're you. They're going to hate you. Yeah. So you got to tell your kids, guess what? They're going to hate you. But you speak the truth anyway. All right, we got to grab the break. We'll be right back. Erin the Addison's on American Family Radio. Please stay close. Playing PS4, my wife is on the couch. She's eight months pregnant. Next thing I know, she's out. She wakes up wheezing. It kind of startled me. It hurts to inhale. She says it's hard to breathe. The pain gets worse, so she grabs my hand and says, get to the phone and call the ambulance. I'm starting to pray while hitting 9-11 and trying to figure out the words that I should tell them. They rush to the crib. I hear the sirens now. I let them in the house. My lady's lying down. They check your vitals. Then they tell me that they think it's vital. To get my Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I think that's the song that did it for me. I think yeah. that's the one where I just started crying uncontrollably. <laughs> you like I, 
Who is this? What, what's I, going I on said, here? Who is this? What is this? What, what, is, what is? So Will does this thing. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio, by the way. Thank you for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Reed B. Versus, hmm. Micah's birthday, part one. So Will does this thing where he will just play music in the car and he won't, you you don't give me any background, you don't tell me this is so-and-so, this is the new project, or this is what's going on. You don't tell me themes or anything like that. You'll often introduce me to music by just sort of throwing me in the deep end. Like, I just get in and I'm listening, right? And so such was the case with this project, uh, Micah's birthday. And so we're just driving and I was listening and I was like, okay, you know, just really nice flow and everything. I was like, okay, this is cool. And then it was this song. Yeah. It was his, his um, recounting the, the incident where his wife almost died. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> what happened? Pretty, it's How pretty, in the world? pretty intense. It's intense. Yeah. It is absolutely intense. All right, let's get, let's get on with the discussion here. I want to talk about what the Lord did in our brother's life during that time and then also talk about the new project. Because look, um, if people are going to be going to Sunday services with Kanye West, <laughs> why not oh talk to goodness. brothers who who we know love Jesus? Who we know who also yes. they also happen to be rappers, but we know they love Jesus. Amen. We know they they are married, they are raising their children, That's they are living right. godly lives. They, That's right. You know, <laughs> people are like, why are you throwing so much shade at Kanye? He can handle it. All right, he's not worried about me. Okay, let's. He's not. Kanye West is not worried about Miki Addison. You hear that, world? He's just not. So, anyways, um, Doug Rogers, thank you so much uh, for joining us today to talk about your latest project. Um, it just really, it was captivating. It was one of those things that was so real and um, such an honest look at the fact that Christians go through stuff. That's we right. Suffer. And um, being able to trust the Lord and to see his faithfulness and to see his mercy during that time. But then the thing that always amazes me about you people who rap (laughs) is that you you guys, (laughs) you people, about you people who rap, right, is is that um, is that you guys can do it in a certain like measure of music. And you can make it rhyme and then keep doing that all throughout the song for about three or four minutes, just depending on what you need to say. That is amazing to me. They have some skills. Yeah. Yeah. There's some people who say they don't understand rap. I don't understand them. (laughs) Right. Because. (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand. It's just just poetry to beat. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's really what it is. Exactly. So, what it is. so why don't you um, kind of tell our audience a little bit about yourself, um, Doug? Your your rapping name is Reby Verses, and yeah. um, this is this is an EP that you've done. Your most recent project. What number project is this for you? Second, it's my second this is, project. This is your second project. Okay, all right. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Thought you had been yeah. doing this for quite a minute, but this is okay. Yeah. So, so then let's let's talk about. Um, sort of your 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 uh the story that surrounds Micah's birthday. Um well my wife um she got sick with pneumonia. Um mm. he was she was about seven months pregnant. Uh the 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 song is pretty much detailing well Michael's birthday part one and two is detailing that whole experience. So mm. She, we was, I was sitting down with her. We was, the kids were asleep. I'm playing a video game. She falls asleep and she wakes up. She can't, she literally can't breathe. And she's saying that it's hurting her chest to breathe. She had been, she had been 
you know, had a lingering cold, but we were just thinking, you know, she's in the latter months of her pregnancy. That usually happens sometimes. And mm-hmm. but we didn't think much of it, but this night she just, she couldn't breathe. And it, it, it went on from there. We, we rushed her to the hospital. Well, I called 911. We rushed her to the hospital. Uh, we really thought that it was just, they told us, well, it's a, it's, we, we, they were saying at first in the, um, when she was in the uh, EMS that it was, uh, it was um, a blood clot. It could be a blood clot. So we were scared. Okay. But then they said, well, no, it's not a blood clot. We just, you know, we detected some pneumonia. So we just give her some medicine that we, she should be okay. And they couldn't, they didn't have those stuff there at the, the, um, the hospital we was at to fully treat her. So we was just like, let's take her to her regular hospital, which is in Providence because they was worried about the baby, you know? So mm-hmm. we get down there and they just kept us in triage for, uh, we got to, I got, by the time we got to Providence, we was there at about 1230. They kept her in there until about four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now, how many and other kids do you guys, time, how many other kids did, did you guys have um, before two, this baby? My, oh, you had two other kids. Okay. Right. Well, two living with me. My oldest is, he was, he was, he was lives with his mother, but, um, okay. the two that we had living with us. So I had to wake them up in the middle of the night and get them in the car. Um, so you can imagine how that is getting two young babies up yeah. and we get, we get there. She's in triage. They trying to, they got a problem checking her in. You know what I mean? Like, so she was just there. And at that time, the pneumonia was getting worse and worse and worse. Wow. So that's, that's pretty much how it turned septic. By that time, she was spitting up blood, and mm. they called me. They woke me up, called me back there, and my mind is going. You know, mm. is she, and, and I'm, I'm, any kind of thought you can think of, I thought, you know, is she dying? If she's dying, I got to bear it. I mean, my man went straight to burying her and living without, the, living with her and, the, and, right. and raising the kids. But my, I'm talking about, wow. like, a right. million, a million miles a minute. And then the Lord just spoke to my spirit and said, she's going to be okay. So leading up, leading up to this point, there were no uh, complications as far as the pregnancy was concerned. No, no, no. She actually was having a, a well, you know, typically when she, when she first has, when she first gets pregnant, she gets really sick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So she can't eat. So they had her on, you know, no, she was, she really wasn't on bed rest. Right. She just had to take it easy for the first month or so. Mm. So, uh, first, a uh, couple of months or so, but after that, she was regular. So no complications, no, no, no warning, no wow. trigger, yeah. no anything, you know, just boom. Yeah. And, and so during this time you said you had your, your two young, your two other kids, um, how was, cause I remember in the song you talked about reaching out to some people, uh, maybe your pastor and some people at your church. How instrumental was your, your church at this point in time when all this was going on? Going on. I don't think I would have been able to do it without my pastor in in church. And it, it, that went on afterwards because it took her a while to get better. So they were bringing us food and and helping us pay the bills because I couldn't work. Wow. So it was it was the, my church family really came alongside me at that time, and, and not just my church family, but other people that I knew like P.O.R. and, and just mm-hmm. came alongside of me that, at that time and really put their arms around us and, and helped take care of us. Wow. You know I mean, so it was, I was really blessed in, in that situation. I, I can't, it's so many miracles and so many, so much of God's favor and his, his blessings that was happening at that time that I, I really can't 
explain it. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the things that were happening at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at this point, I think it's really important. And I just this is this may or may not be related to the project. But just remind me, have we interviewed your pastor before, Doug? I think yes, we, have. we have. OK, yeah, yes, yes. Okay, so you attend um, a multi-ethnic church. You attend a diverse church, right? Yes. Okay, and I just, I just want to, at this point, I think it's so important because we're talking about the church coming to your aid and we're talking about the church rallying around you. I'm trying to imagine um, space when you're in desperate need where you would say, oh, no, but only certain types of people come and help me. Not, not, yeah. <laughs> you know, that just wouldn't work. Everybody no. kind of responded to your need, including your pastor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just amazing, right? My my children actually spent the night at my pastor's house. Wow. Mm. So, yeah, this was, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And and by the I mean, way, I just and I think and again, I mean, I've not to be like leading the witness here, counsel, but um, I just I, again, your pastor is not black, correct? At all, he's not. He's not, <laughs> he's not black at all. <laughs> That's my guy, boy. And then so white, funny. dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's like, nope, he's white, white. Yeah, um, yeah, and I white. wish people. I, pe- we'll have to have your pastor on to interview mm-hmm. so people understand why this is okay and, and that it's funny. Um, we've yeah. dealt with these issues before, the foolishness that happens in the church. But I think it's so important to point out that you're experiencing this trauma. You're experiencing this um, this turmoil, and your church comes to your aid. And, and right now we're having a discussion about who can worship with whom hmm. and who should be able to help whom. And and so anyway, I just think we need to point that out. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's foolishness to me because I, right. I actually experienced black, white, Indian people coming alongside of me helping me. So it's like, to me, it's, it's mind-boggling, but that's a whole different conversation. It don't even make sense to me, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. So so let's let's get back to talking about Micah's birthday. Go ahead, Will. No, so, so at this time, you know, so your wife, uh, they, they find out she has pneumonia, and so they're, yeah. they're treating her for that. Um, right. At that time, uh, is it starting to... Is it getting worse? And then... Yes. You know, okay, so it's getting worse. Yeah. And and where where is your mind at this point? As it getting worse? Because you said you had a, a whole lot of thoughts, but what are, yeah, what are you thinking? As, as it when when God kind of like when I when I was walking to where she was, He spoke to me. Mm. You know what I mean, and I believed Him. So mm. even when it was getting worse, I still knew that what He said was true. You mm. know what I mean, so it was like mm. I had all the emotions. I still experienced. You know, anxiety, fear, but he was speaking to me. I mean, so I still had a, I was still had peace. I still had, you know, an optimistic outlook on it because he had, he had told me she was going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like, and so to me, it was, it was, it it turned from me being, um, how can I say this? It turned from me being scared to me being, okay, how is this going to work out? You know, how is, yeah. I know you said this, so how is this going to happen? You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it was happening. And it was, this. It was. I'll tell you one story. Um, one of, And I didn't touch on this in the album mm-hmm. um, because it was it's too much to talk about. But I had, we had a nurse. And I can't remember her name. I wish I remembered her name, but she was, she was really supposed to be in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. But this night she was covering in the ICU unit in the in the um in the in the unit my wife was in. Mm-hmm. But this was the best nurse I had ever met. 
right? I, mm-hmm. I've never met anybody, any nurse that was better than this nurse. Wow. Um, and then we come to find out she was like, everybody, had, her reputation was that she was the best nurse wow. in the hospital. You wow. know what I'm saying? So it's like, wow, okay, we, all, she, she comes in on overtime and she's supposed to be in this unit over here, but they place her in this unit where we are. Mm-hmm. And she starts to take care of us, right? Mm-hmm. And she is amazed at how our relationship is because, um, and, and, it, and, and I, I don't want to give any disclaimers. I'll say it like this. I would come in the room and her, her heart rate would be elevated. This one, when they talk about one flesh, this is real. Like mm-hmm. her heart rate would be elevated. She was kind of knocked out from the, just all the trauma. They had to dope her up because she had a, she had a, um, a tube in her throat, but they didn't want to sedate her all the way because they wanted her to be able to cough the, um, the pneumonia up mm-hmm. from the medicine wow. they was giving her. So imagine like usually when you're in ICU and you got a tube in your throat, you're knocked out. You're, you are, you're, you're all the way sedated. You're asleep, mm-hmm. but they, they had to keep her awake. Wow. So her body can work, you know, because mm-hmm. if she was heavily sedated, her body wouldn't have been able to work. Mm-hmm. And, and she had to learn to be on, to not, she was still on her, she was on the respirator because she couldn't breathe on her own, but wow. she wanted to breathe on her own. So she had to learn while she was in ICU to let the machine breathe for her. Wow. So this is, all, this is all going on, right? She, um, she, so when, when I would come in the room while she was asleep, her, her uh, heart rate would be elevated. As soon as I walked in the room, her heart rate would go down. Wow. So like the nurse was like, wow, like she was, her thing was, I've never seen a couple like this. So she really took to us. Mm-hmm. So the next, so the whole time we was in ICU, like three or four nights we were in ICU, she came back and requested to be back in the ICU with us. Wow! You know what I mean? <laughs> like she didn't want to leave us. Wow! Like so, it was, I mean, we actually exchanged numbers and everything. I just never, I never called her back. But I wish I would. I probably got it in my phone somewhere and just can't remember her name. So I'm scared <laughs> to call it. <laughs> yeah. Doug. Yeah, like, Doug, how old is Micah? How old is your son now? He's two now. Okay, wow. yeah, yeah, you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute, yeah. <laughs> and so, so this is going on. You have this nurse that's there, and that's a that's a godsend right there. Yeah, you know. Um, and I remember on, on one of the songs you said they start giving her these fluids or some different things, and it, and it took to her body like quick, like you know. The, yeah, the, it's a it's a medicine called Lacy. Okay. And what it does is it it, it um. If, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor or anything, but from my dad, my dad used to take it for his, you know, he had liver cancer. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he would take it because fluid would build up on his stomach. So he would have to take this medicine, lace it to urinate the excess fluid out. Okay. So the lace it works like that, but it doesn't work over a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Like it takes at least 24 hours for it to work, mm-hmm. 12 to 24 hours for it to work. My wife took it. At, at like maybe six or seven o'clock when they okay her, her to take it mm-hmm. and overnight she had urinated out all this fluid you know and, and, and the nurse was like i've never seen anybody <laughs> take to this medicine like this and she, yeah. she literally told her she was like the way her body took this medicine she's going to be out of she's going to be off that breathing tube by tomorrow night Wow. You know what I mean? And she was off the breathing tube by the, by the next night. Okay, well, let's do this because we have a break coming up. Uh, we'll uh, catch up with Doug right after the break. 
um, and find out the rest of the story about his son, Micah, as well, because, you know, there's a baby involved as well. And so this is Aaron Addison's here, American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's Reby Versus with Micah's Birthday Part 2. And Reby Versus, a.k.a. Douglas Rogers. Mm-hmm. Social security number. No, I'm just kidding. Is with us today. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give that out. Um, I don't have it, but I wouldn't give it out if I did. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Doug. I will tell you, the CD um, had a major impact on me as I was listening, and and I was so captivated um, by how vivid the picture was yeah. that you painted of everything that was going on in your life, and and I don't want to go into all of the details, I really want to kind of zoom out now and I want to look at the big picture of what it is that the Lord showed you and why you dedicated um, an EP to kind of telling the story of God's faithfulness and his mercy to you. Because, I mean, the whole point of it is that you have gone through suffering and in the midst of all of that, God is still trustworthy and he is still faithful. And on the other side of this particular incident that we're talking about is Micah. And the project right. is Micah's birthday. So can we kind of zoom out a little bit and, and kind of talk about what the Lord was walking you through, spiritually well, speaking? The there's two um, points to this, um, Abel. Um, one is that God took me through a situation with my wife where he actually healed her, and she was okay. But then it's another situation with my father where he took me through that suffering, and he actually died. Mm. So it's, 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 it's two parts to that. God can take you through where he heals your loved one or he heals you. And then there's the, the instance where God can take you through the situation where um, the, your loved one dies or you may even die. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, God is walking you through each situation, whether it be the, a favorable outcome or what we see what we think is an unfavorable outcome because mm-hmm. even when my father died, he had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and he knew where he was going. Mm-hmm. So even though it was sad for us, the ones he left behind, it was still a joyous occasion for him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then there's the, there's the aspect of it being Michael's birthday period. Like the reason why I named it Michael's birthday is because that's pretty much it's symbolic of when everything started. So it's, it's kind of a double entendre. It's like 
that's when everything started, and that's when the suffering started. But then, even in his birth, it's his birth and his life. <laughs> it's the celebration of life. So, um, even when even through suffering, there's still joy. There's still hope. Mm-hmm. There's still optimism. You know what I mean? There's still love. There's still peace. So, yes. and, and through all and through both of those situations, that's what I experienced. I experienced every emotion you can have. Over that over that year, over that really over that nine that span of nine to ten months, mm-hmm. I, I I experienced any any emotion you can feel. I experienced it, but God was so, always there. So during that nine month period, is that when you lost your father? Like prior to yes. Micah's birth, or okay? So oh, he what, was he was born in he was born December thirtieth. Uh, she was she was sick all the way up until about. Um, April, because it takes a while for your lungs and everything to get back together. Mm-hmm. And then by May, my, that's when my father's cancer turned for the worst. He died in July. So really it was, a, and then I had to deal with all all that. Up. It was really about eight months. I had to deal with everything with him and, his, and, and him getting worse and planning his funeral. And so that situation went over until about August. So, wow. Yeah. And then your son was born in December. So, so Doug, tell us what it is the Lord taught you. If, if you could kind of summarize it, tell us what the Lord taught you about suffering. And I'll, I'll tell you why I asked that. It may seem like a simple question, but one of my great concerns is that the church is overrun with this entitlement attitude toward the Lord, where we just sort of have been taught that, you know, we're not supposed to suffer. We're not supposed to experience pain. We're not supposed to go through those tough times. And, or if we get there, then, you know, there's some people who say that your dad should have been healed, that if you had enough faith, your dad would have been healed. Maybe you didn't, you know, and so to be able to contrast those, because God gave you an opportunity to be able to contrast both of those things in real time. Like that doesn't happen for a lot of people. I mean, within a few months you're walking through and your dad isn't healed. And then you see your wife is near death, but then is healed and recovers Mm -hmm. miraculously. I mean, so this is an amazing opportunity that the Lord has given you to make much of him and how we can't really put a system to how the Lord operates. We just know his character. We know that he is trustworthy. Right. Well, that's what I learned. I learned that in whatever situation that I find myself in, whatever he allows and his, you know, his providential care, his sovereignty, he's there. You know, that I, that the whole, the whole time those things was happening, I, I knew he was there. It was, it it was a, without a question, he was there. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it, to, it, to, to kind of combat a lot of the notions that if you don't have enough faith, you know, then if, if you had enough faith, your father would have been healed. To kind of combat that is there's so many scriptures where people had faith and people still died. I, I, I think that's not, that's not really the, the point. The point of it all is, what is God doing for you, and can you recognize it when you're going through the suffer- suffering? <laughs> yeah. How is he using the suffering to mature you as a, as a Christian? And he used it a lot. It, it allowed me to appreciate my father more. It allowed me to love my wife more and look at her a different way. It allowed me to be more patient. Um, it taught me to be more loving and more, I mean, it's just, it allowed me to understand other people's suffering. When I hear about other people's stories and what they go through, so it, it gave me a, a different level of understanding um, to mature me. You know what I mean? So I, I don't, you know that. 
I don't know where those teachings come from, but God has to take you through suffering, you know, in order for you to become a more mature um, believer. Amen. Amen. I really I, I wish that uh, that sound biblical teaching, especially in this area, would return to the church, because I think that many have found an excuse to accuse God. Um, they've, yeah. they've found an excuse to say that God isn't who he says he is because of something they've been taught that is actually not supported by the scriptures. I mean, if you read uh, Peter's first letter, man, all throughout his letter, he's over and over talking mm. about suffering. And mm-hmm. he's over and yeah. over talking about Jesus Christ leaving us a pattern for how we are to suffer. Well, and it just presupposes that there will be suffering. Right. You know what I mean? And and so, you know, I wonder, and I'll get your take on this, Doug, and then I want you to let our listeners know how they can get a copy if they want to listen to the EP. But I just, I wonder if, you know, it might change the way we engage in the United States of America if the art of suffering were understood, if, if we understood that what we were called to was, was suffering. I wonder if it might, you know, cause us to look different as Christians in America. I, I actually believe... That I, I actually believe, first of all, we don't want to suffer. No one wants to suffer. You know what I mean, like, but, and I'm not saying everybody will suffer to the amount that I did, but, and I'm not saying you should welcome suffering, but if it happens to happen, you have to figure out what God is trying to do in your life. And you have to focus on the fact that he's there, that if he does allow us to suffer, there's a reason for it and that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. So this suffering that we go through, it has to be for a reason. It, it's not arbitrary. God is not arbitrary. God is not random. Everything he allows to happen, he allows to happen for a reason. And it's our responsibility to go with that, to figure out what it is and, and be and be submissive and be Almost to that, not to turn our our fist towards God and turn our noses up, but it's to humbly submit to what He's allowing to happen and allow Him to take us through it. Amen. Um, so, where can our listeners uh, get a copy of the project Micah's Birthday? Well, you can go anywhere digital music is sold and, and streamed. That's iTunes, uh, Google Play. YouTube Music, Spotify, Deezer, Tidal, anywhere, anywhere that you, you know, listen to music, whatever platform mm-hmm. you decide to listen to music on, you can find that um, that album. You can find all my projects, all my music on those platforms. And I've heard if people don't have access to those platforms, you have a cousin out in front of Circle K. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm sorry, Doug. No, hey, I, what I, I will have I will have physicals available shortly because um, I have a, a concert coming up in November, so I have some uh, physicals um, uh, put together in a minute. So that was yeah, a nice I, recovery, Doug. Thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. Okay, and where again are you, Doug? Where do you live? Where, where, what do you call home? I am I am in Detroit. Well, I'm not Detroit. in Detroit now. I'm outside of Detroit, but I'm from sure. Detroit. Okay, Detroit, wonderful. Um, thank you, Doug. I really appreciate yeah, you carving you, out this time. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for what the Lord has done in your life. And though that was such a painful season, um, we give glory to God that you were able to take that and then put pen to paper and then put music to that and uh, allow that to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Thank you so much, thank Doug. You, man. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure. Right. Yeah, we enjoyed it, too.
Um, you know, Will, I, I should, we should tell mm-hmm. our listeners that Doug is also a comedian. Yeah, he didn't know he was, though. He kind of stumbled upon he that. He stumbled upon that, being <laughs> being a comedian, right? And yeah. so um, so when I'm joking with him like that, it's okay. And if there are any <laughs> law enforcement officers listening, that was completely a joke. I was not advocating um, panhandling outside of a, so- a Circle K. Right, right. No, we're right. not condoning that. But let me say this about yeah. Doug and other artists. You know, I'm a big Christian um, rap uh, fan. You know, yes, I know some people have different opinions about rap and, and stuff like that, but uh artists like doug that there are a bunch of artists out there who are who have, who are using their gift and in the art form for the glory of christ Amen. and um you know you will hear some of the music you know kind of in our show you know from time to time and we we put a high stock on on selecting artists uh that are representing christ that's not just you know doing it for show and mm-hmm. i can I, I can say for 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 sure that Doug is a person uh, who's over time. He's he's. I've watched him, and he's been uh, faithful, you know, yes. with his with his music to to represent Christ. So, Reed B. Versus is uh, his rap name, um, and you you can find his music. You should support him. And if you're looking for music to introduce to your kids too, it doesn't yeah. have to be Kanye West. <clears throat> I hope not. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey, leave Kanye alone. No, I won't. I mean, I will, but not right now. I just don't understand. What is it about? What is it about the world that we are so enamored with? Like, Man. what is it that we love? We love the world so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, anyways, all right. I, I'm going to move on. In the moments that we have, I want to take a look at this Washington Post story that I that I read last week, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, man, you know. This kind of plays also into my thinking. I, I, I kind of read these things and I, I'm processing them and thinking about where we are. And this kind of plays into my thinking about how we have got to um, perfect the art of raising bigots. Uh, you may have heard about this story. Um, um, HUD Secretary Ben Carson was in San Francisco last week and he made some statements at a meeting with um, there were some staffers present and they were upset with him. Um, but here is the Washington Post story. And of course, you know, their spin on it is always going to be. Um, Christians are bigots, right? I mean, that's basically what the story Mm -hmm. is. Uh, Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson expressed concern about, quote, big hairy men trying to infiltrate women's homeless shelters during an (laughs) internal meeting, according to three people present, who interpreted the remarks as an attack on transgender women. Mm. Now, I... I could go into the details of this story, but time will not allow. And so maybe I'm maybe I'll pick up with this tomorrow. Maybe yeah. we'll start with this because I don't wow. I don't want to let it go. Essentially, what Dr. Carson was saying was that these homeless shelters do not need to subject women to the presence of men coming in claiming to be women. Now, you know, of <laughs> course, that seems logical to mm-hmm. us. Because you're talking about women who are experiencing trauma. Like they're they're there because they have experienced real trauma. Right. Probably at the hands of a man. And so you're going to allow men to come in. But all they've got to do is say that they are women. And so the amazing thing to me, the amazing thing to me is that Dr. Carson's own staff. I mean, these people need to be driven out. Why are they still there? Why are they a part of his team? They are what I would consider combatants. Like, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're not belligerent, but you've got people who stand up and who walk out. You've got one lady who stands up and makes her statement about, you know, Dr. Carson being insensitive and all of these things. And what about the transgender women who need? Wow. And I'm going. <laughs> wow. What? Somebody need to be fired. Why are they on his staff? <laughs> 
Man, that's a good question. I mean, I understand, you know, you've that's got a, a government question. position. But I'm like, why can can you be, you should nah, be moved need to, around. They need to go. Why, why not you be shifted around somewhere else to work with people that you agree with? Right. And, and you know, in this administration, you're not going to find a whole, whole lot. You'll find you'll find a good bit. <laughs> <You're sad. laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, man, we don't have enough time. All right. Um, we got to go. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.